to be year-on-year growth because we still haven't recovered uh, to the 2019, the pre-COVID demand levels uh, around the world. So that will continue to happen this year. Uh, But, uh, of course, it's decelerating. The uh, global oil demand growth is not going to be as strong as as last year. I see prices probably uh, around $80, so a good, you know, 10 to 15, or rather 15 to $20 on average below last year. Well, thanks very much for your uh, insight, Vandana. Vandana Harry uh, is the founder of Vanda Insights, our expert on uh, oil and gas. Uh, let's say thank you also to our other guests uh, this morning, and that's Andrew Ferris, uh, CEO of Ecognosis Advisory, and also Matt Nesto, uh, Editor-in-Chief at Payments.com, longtime journalist and market watcher in New York. Thanks to all of you for joining us this morning. Let's have a quick look at the markets as they stand at the moment. Uh, currently, the ASX 200 is up uh, 0.3% at 7084 Uh, The Nikkei 225 is down a fraction at 25,771. Hang Seng futures looking like they will see the market open around three quarters of a percentage point uh, higher this morning. Uh, Mainly fine, dry during the day with a maximum temperature of around 23 degrees. Uh, Moderate north to northeasterly winds expected. 18 Celsius, 63% uh, relative humidity at the observatory. The red fire danger warning is in force. It'll be back chat after the news headlines. And with the news headlines, here's Barry. The head of the Travel Industry Council has welcomed the gradual approach to resuming quarantine-free travel with the mainland. From Sunday, an initial quota will allow 60,000 people to cross each way. They must register online and submit a negative PCR test and health declaration. The council's executive director, Fanny Young, said the top priority was ramping up manpower and resources. She told RTHK that she expected mainland tour groups would return by early February. That will be after the CNY, Chinese New Year holiday. Well, most likely, I don't think it will be a lot of visitors. Most people crossing the boundaries will be visiting friends and relatives or some business transaction. So anyway, the quota is just 60,000 a day. So the portion of visitors, I think maybe around 20% at the most, and it won't be a group tour. For our group tour visitors, we were expecting sometimes around early February or mid to mid February around that timing. And we will expect around 10 tours per day, which is around a few hundred, less than a thousand a day. Ukraine has dismissed President Putin's announcement of a 36-hour ceasefire to coincide with the Russian Orthodox Christmas. President Zelensky said the truce was an attempt to stop Ukraine's military advances and allow Russian forces and equipment to move closer to Ukrainian positions. The ceasefire is due to come into effect at midday on Friday. A Ukrainian MP, Oleksiy Goncharenko, said Mr Putin should not be trusted. It's clear hypocrisy from Putin when he's speaking about some Christmas ceasefire. It's more like a Judas kiss from him. It's Russia who started this war. And if he really wants a peace, it's very easy to achieve it, uh, just to leave our territory. And that's all. But he doesn't want any peace in reality. He just wants to win the time to replenish, refresh his troops and then to attack again. President Biden has revealed an expanded system of legal entry into the United States for thousands of migrants, while also tightening restrictions at the southern border with Mexico. 30,000 people a month will now be able to fly directly to the U.S. from Cuba, Haiti, Nicaragua and Venezuela. Announcing the measures, Mr. Biden told migrants to not just turn up and expect to be let in. My message is this. If you're trying to leave Cuba, Nicaragua or Haiti or have agreed to begin a journey to America 
do not, do not just show up at the border. Stay where you are and apply legally from there. Starting today, if you don't apply through the legal process, you will not be eligible for this new parole program. Violence has spread across the Mexican state of Sinaloa after the arrest of one of the leaders of a powerful criminal gang. Ovidio Guzman is a senior figure in the Sinaloa cartel and the son of Joaquin El Capo Guzman, who's serving a life sentence in the U.S. The BBC's Leonardo Rocha reports. Mexico's Secretary of Defense, Luis Sandoval, said Ovidio was captured in the northern city of Culiacan in the early hours of Thursday. He said the arrest came at the end of a six-month surveillance operation, which had the assistance of U.S. officials. Gang members have since set up roadblocks with burning vehicles. The local airport was attacked and at least one airplane was hit by bullets as it prepared to take off. Residents have been told to stay at home while the authorities try to regain control of the situation. Ovidio Guzman has been transferred to a safe location in Mexico City. The tensions in Britain's royal family have been laid bare in a new book by Prince Harry. He accuses his older brother, Prince William, of physically attacking him and bruising him during a confrontation in 2019. He also reportedly describes William as not only his beloved brother, but also his arch-nemesis. Martin Bengeli is the British journalist who got an exclusive copy of the Prince's book titled Spare, ahead of its publication on Tuesday. He talked about its revelations and the altercation between the two princes. The claims of the physical attack stand out from a succession of scenes about uh, confrontations within the royal family. Um, but the fight described as an attack because Harry says he didn't fight back. That was a detail uh, we hadn't obviously seen before. And it seems to have been a particularly low point in a particularly difficult period between the two brothers. He re returns to the air and the spare concept uh, throughout the book. He recalls himself discussing it even with William. I think he's saying it's the organising principle of his life, that he's the spare and he's had to try and work out what his role is his, his entire life. And finally, the messaging platform WhatsApp says it will allow people facing censorship to use it through a proxy server if other internet connections, such as those through a national telecoms provider, have been blocked. In a blog post, WhatsApp said its decision was prompted by internet shutdowns in several countries. And there'll be more news on the hour from RTHK. This is Fact Chat for Friday, January the 6th. Welcome to the show. I'm Andrew Work. And I'm Janice Wong. And it's official. Hong Kong will resume quarantine-free travel with the mainland this Sunday. At least 60,000 people will be allowed to cross the border each way between Hong Kong and the mainland each day. 50,000 people using land border crossings will first be required to book a spot using a new online application system. But those who have flight or ferry bookings don't need to apply. Meanwhile, the high-speed rail is expected to reopen on January 15th. Quotas have been lifted entirely for Hong Kongers returning to the SAR and for mainlanders heading north. Those traveling to the mainland will be required to get a negative PCR test within 48 hours of departure. After 9.15 a.m., we will look at vaccinations in Hong Kong ahead of the border reopening. Are you ready for the reopening? Let us know what you think on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 233-88266. And kicking off today's show, we would like to welcome Gary Tong. Gary's a lawmaker, deputy chairman of the Legislative Council Subcommittee on Railway Affairs. Good morning and welcome to the show, Gary. Good morning. Morning. And we welcome back to the show, uh, Lai Shen, a regular? 
uh, Deputy Director Thanks. for the Society for Community Organizations, a.k.a. SOCO. Good morning. Thanks. Welcome back. Morning. Good morning. And we'd like to welcome Professor Haiyan Song, the Associate Dean for the School of Hotel and Tourism Management at Hong Kong Polytechnic University. Good morning, Professor Song. Yeah, good morning. Good morning. All right, let's kick off. Uh, Gary Tsong, uh, presumably you're a lawmaker. Uh, presumably you were involved in some of the discussions to reopen the border. Uh, it's a little bit like, you know, they, talk, they say about bankruptcy. First it happens slowly, then it happens quickly. You know, are we ready? Is it, you know, how, how have we come to this decision and why are we reopening now? Um, I, I think the, uh, for Hong Kong side and in the, in the, in the past couple of months, where we, we all understand that we are gradually working out from this pandemic. We are reopening our, our own border and we are, we are actually um, uh, uh, lifting um, most of the social distancing um, measures. And I, I think the, the reopening of border between Hong Kong and mainland China is bringing, I, I think we all understand it's mainly because of the uh, very, um, <laughs> it's fair to say a very sudden change of the uh, policy inside mainland China. They, they, they took a very different uh, approach against uh, how they how they deal with COVID. So uh, um, um, naturally, uh, reopening uh, mainland mainland own border uh, was part of this uh, this uh, new approach. So that's why it, it becomes possible, and actually the process becomes very uh, very fast. Okay, and were you in some of the discussions uh, where they de determined some of these details? Uh, you know, like they've had they've they've determined. Uh, daily quotas yeah, yeah. for the land crossings for the ferries for the for the airports and and how did they come up with those numbers yeah yeah i i i did i did, uh, I, did I did write to uh, um, uh, both uh, mingnan and hong kong authorities uh, before the formal announcement uh, because originally i was quite well i was quite worried about the quota system i mean if the uh, the current quota like uh, five hundred thousand quota per day uh, is applicable to everyone then inevitably there will, it will bring about a lot of chaos and problems, especially for those for those um, who are planning to return who are planning to return to their own place of residency. For example, if a mainland visitor they come to Hong Kong, if they still need to get grab a quota to go back to mainland. Uh, definitely, you imagine that there will be a lot of uh, problems, and uh, that will easily cause some overstaying problem. So uh, I, I did write to both authorities and uh, asked them to consider not to set any quota for those returning to their uh, place of residency. And I'm glad that the government uh, accepted mm, this point of view. Yeah. Yeah. So in you, their you, formal plan. Yeah. You wrote letters, but as a lawmaker, were you in the room when they made the decision? Um, I, I, I think the, the, the decision, no, the decision making was uh, meaning uh, between the, uh, both governments. But uh, uh, during the process, I, I did talk to some of the some of the responsible officials from from both Hong Kong and mainland, and they accepted such view on uh, on this uh, this point of detail. So, Mr. Zhang, are you satisfied with the uh, quota of fifty thousand? I think after we exclude those returning to their place of residency, this uh, 500,000 quota for land park should be uh, sufficient for the initial period. And, and, and bear in mind that uh, next week we'll be reopening high-speed rail as well, and that will uh, add some uh, new capacity to the, to the, to the, to the cross-border uh, 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 quota. So I, I think it should be okay. And uh, in fact, from, uh, from what we uh, from what we saw last night, 
the when the uh, when the quota system opens uh, like 6 p.m. yesterday, and so far the system uh, has been running uh, quite smooth. We didn't see any, we didn't see any breakdown of the system, and most of the people can get a quota in the coming in the coming few days if they plan to go back to main, uh, 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 travel to mainland. All right, maybe maybe we should uh, now bring in uh, Shilai Shan from Soko. Good morning, Miss C. Hey, good morning. So just now, uh, Mr. Jang, he said uh, the uh, booking system has been running smoothly. Is that what you've been hearing as well? Uh, I think at the beginning, uh, many uh, uh, clients, they, they cannot get, get in. I think it's too many people uh, uh, get in the, in, uh, uh, the, the website. Uh, um, and then so they, and then um, many of them, they cannot, uh, they want to go uh, <laughs> on 8th of June, but cannot. I think the earliest one they got is 15th, June. The 15th? Of January, yeah, yeah. this month? Yeah, wow. 18 or 20, they got this kind of... So it's quite many people waiting. And and then um, they they got a booking. They said they want to book the PLC negative test. PCR, PCR uh, test. PCR. And then they cannot, they cannot get their appointment. It's full. Mm. And so I don't know if they would do that. I think maybe they need to book their, I don't know, their the private doctor, pay higher price. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So pe people who are traveling to places other than China may find it difficult to get PCR tests now because so many people that want to go to China yeah, yeah, yeah. need to get a PCR test. So first you have to use the government quota booking website. Uh, which Janice thoughtfully provided to me at the beginning of the show, full credit, uh, www.quotabooking.gov.hk. And then you have to book a PCR test. So there's a double booking. And you're saying that people can't get that for a week, maybe two weeks? Is that right, so Tulation? I, I think you, you, you've, uh, I think the government, they, they need to increase their quota for tests and then or, or they can... Uh, Relaxed their criteria. For example, uh, they can do the rapid test instead of uh, PCR test, and so it's cheaper for those uh, grassroots. Right. So, so how many people have you heard from that that's been having difficulty making uh, this booking, Missy? Oh, many, many, a few thousand of them. Because we have uh, some WhatsApp group, and and then they many of them stay can get in for hours. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, Professor Haiyan Song, uh, you're looking at hotel and tourism management. Uh, you know, a few months ago, I, under, I heard uh, people in the hotel business telling me that they thought there were up to 100,000 mainland Chinese in hotel rooms in Hong Kong thinking, you know, just trying to get one of the, you know, very restricted quota spots. Uh, does that sound reasonable to you? And are those people now going to have a great opportunity to finally get back to the mainland? Uh, yes, I think uh, with the increased uh, quota, I think that uh, eased, uh, eased the situation uh, a lot. I think it's uh, relatively easy for uh, people traveling from mainland to go back to their uh, home of residence. I think that there's no need for quota for them, right? So uh, as far as I understand. So, I mean, how is that going to impact on the hotel business? If, if these people are leaving hotels in Hong Kong, are we going to expect more to be coming in that will oh, yes. make up for that or more than make up for it? Yeah, definitely, because uh, the opening up, uh, uh, if uh, people flying from other cities, uh, you know, fly to Hong Kong, there's no quota restriction, right? So uh, you will see a surge of uh, inbound tourists 
from mainland China to Hong Kong, uh, actually starting probably uh, from the first quarter of this year, and uh, you will see a uh, uh, further increase uh, toward the second quarter uh, the whole year. So I think um, uh, the PCR test, uh, I think at this moment is a temporary. I'm sure this will uh, change uh, very soon. Uh, you know, probably you do not need uh, PCR test, um, uh, uh, you know, to come to Hong Kong and vice versa. And what are you hearing from people in the industry? Are they, are they ready for this? I mean, are, are, do hotels have the staff necessary after three years of... Yeah, that's a good question, actually. Uh, on the one hand, the industry is very happy to see the border uh, finally opened and uh, Hong Kong can welcome tourists uh, from China. Uh, in the past, actually, Hong Kong relies uh, very much on the mainland tourists and 70% of arrivals are from China. So it is a good uh, sign that uh, Hong Kong eventually opened up uh, to mainland tourists. But at the same time, over the last uh, three years, there's some uh, uh, turnovers uh, in restaurants, in hotels, in tourism uh, businesses. So there's a supply constraint in terms of labor. I think uh, uh, many uh, you know, uh, uh, employees have left the industry, but I'm sure with the increasing demand and business opportunities, uh, Hong Kong tourism businesses find a way to resolve this issue. So, so um, Professor Song, how, how much uh, of a boost will uh, the reopening of the border be for the uh, tourism industry here? Uh, be how much of a boost? Boost, right? I, I think uh, the 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 boost will be uh, uh, tremendous because um, Hong Kong actually is ready uh, to uh, welcome uh, tourism. Actually, tourism contribute uh, significantly to. Uh, uh, Hong Kong's economy. Uh, Pre-COVID-19, I think tourists contribute to three to five percent uh, to the uh, GDP uh, in Hong Kong, uh, which is one of the pillar industry. Uh, if you think about it, I think uh, uh, yeah, uh, Hong Kong is ready and the industry is is, is ready. Uh, to welcome tourists and to revitalize the economy. Right, and uh, yesterday um, at the press briefing, the chief executive, uh, John Lee, he said he believed the economic boost from the border reopening would be big, like you just mentioned, and the flow of people and economic activities such as uh, retail and tourism uh, were expected to return to normal levels. Um, Professor Song, when do you think tourism here can return to uh, normal levels? Uh, yeah, I think uh, it will take some time. Uh, we did uh, some forecast uh, for PATA, which is the Pacific Asia Travel Association, uh, to try to uh, predict the recovery of different destinations within Asia Pacific. I think for Hong Kong, uh, given Ch uh, the border with mainland China uh, already open, I think it would take uh, maybe one, uh, one or one and a half year. Uh, to return to normal, maybe a level of uh, pre-COVID-19 uh, arrivals. So yeah, yeah, it will it will take some time, but uh, gradually we will get there. Sila Shan, um, you probably work with a lot of people in lower income, the, mm. the lower income spectrum. Um, are the people that are working, you know, maybe as waiters, cleaners, are they going to be keen to go back to those jobs if they think that are they, are they going to have concerns about uh, a working in that industry? Um, because they just don't want to do those jobs or they don't want to be in close contact with people who might have COVID coming from the mainland? 
you mean whether they, they, many of them are in favor of COVID? I mean, that with the workers, the waiters, huh. the cleaners, are they going to want to come back and, and do those jobs that support the tourism industry? No, I think we, we have many of them working in uh, cleaning or uh, 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 restaurants, but, uh, but some of them in uh, in restaurant industry, they they because the restaurant uh, uh, problems the the business, uh, so they change their job. And um, I think I don't think they want to change their job to to restaurant because uh, now the the um, is still not uh, uh, stable, so they will keep on. Many of them actually to change to as a security guy. Right. I just want to go back to uh, Mr. Jang. Um, uh, like we heard from Ms. C, the uh, booking for mainland travel has not been that smooth. And uh, she suggested that uh, maybe the government should increase the capacity for PCR tests or, or even uh, um, turn to uh, rat tests instead, um, RIT tests. Uh, what's your view on that? I mean, can I mean, I mean, after what you heard from Ms. C? Yeah, I, I, I agree with that point because, uh, yeah, um, Originally, we worry about the quota system itself, but um, since the quota system uh, works okay, so the, uh, the, the the bottleneck will likely uh, be at the PCR test capacity of this city. And uh, yeah, initially, the government need to increase the the, the capacity of PCR test, uh, um, uh, say for uh, for the coming week. And also, the, uh, we we should try to. Uh, lower the price of the PCR, that would be uh, the price of PCR for for traveling. But I think um, a more a more uh, uh, I, th- I, th- I think a more uh, long term uh, or mid term uh, solution will be uh, for, to further negotiate with the mainland authorities and actually to um, relax such requirements because uh, we understand it's not uh, as we as we further increase the quota. It's actually not practical to uh, totally rely on PCR. I, I mean, it, it, it's, it's not reasonable for, for us to build up a huge PCR testing capacity again so only for, for traveling purpose. I mean, um, what, what, once the flow, of, the flow of people between mainland China and Hong Kong returns to the normal level, we're talking about like uh, 500,000 people per day. So how could we manage such huge amount of PCR tests uh, Demand. So I, I think a more sustainable way or, 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 or the, the ultimate goal is to scrap such a requirement. And in fact, um, if we look at uh, Macau, um, for, 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 for people in Macau to enter into, uh, to enter into Zhuhai, they, they, the, 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 the mainland government, they, were, they no longer require Macau residents or, 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 people, or people traveling from Macau to, uh, to get a PCR test. So I think it's possible. So that should be... Uh, direction that we should uh, work towards. Right. And see, earlier you mentioned that uh, thousands of uh, people that you know have uh, been having trouble making a booking. So so what's going to happen now? Will they not be able to uh, go to the mainland uh, for, for Chinese New Year? Yeah, I think they either give up or they need to go to the private doctor, pay higher price. Mm. So we hope we hope the government can, can uh, make some uh, change for this. Uh, otherwise, it's very hard for them. Yeah, and, and for people trying to get out of the airport to other destinations if they can't get their PCR tests that a lot of countries have imposed on Hong Kong. Um, T.C. Tang refers to that in a Facebook uh, posting. He says this hasty reopening arrangement is why many countries, including Canada, is why the negative COVID test requirement for travelers from China also includes Hong Kong. 
the Chinese government should be happy. The world finally considers Hong Kong to be a part of China. Oh, happy, happy. Um, Marcus Langston says, uh, we're looking forward to seeing the warm welcome that Hong Kong is feeling. And uh, here's, you know, a, a little bit personal. Uh, Henry Young, the arrangements made are very good, given the tight time frame and the various uh, departments, plus other facilities like transport, etc. That 250,000 people that got the quota shows the immense demand. Even I, a senior, had wanted for years to cross the border to buy accordions in Shenzhen when it is difficult to find an accordion store in Hong Kong. Surely when more cross-border channels are available, there'll be more and more border crossings. The stock market is already giving a thumbs up, and it sounds like Henry Young's pretty jazzed up to get his accordions. Um, how, much, is, is, how much kind of business tourism can we expect, uh, Professor Song, back and forth? I mean, we're talking about people going back for Chinese New Year, people just trying to get home, but it, how about the impact on, on not business just for hotels, charging people to stay in their hotels, but people who are coming here to get deals done. I mean, how, how much more, like, are we looking at like a 20% increase in business travel, 30%? Have you got, has your department done any research on the expectations? Yeah, I think uh, initially probably uh, the border crossing will be mainly uh, Hong Kong residents uh, going back uh, to mainland China to see their, you know, relatives and spend uh, holiday, uh, New Year holiday uh, in, mainland, in the mainland, and also vice versa. So I think the initial start will be mainly uh, those type of tourists we call uh, VFR, visiting friends and relatives, and then followed by business travel, uh, which I guess will uh, increase uh, uh, significantly in terms of the volume. In terms of percentage, it's difficult to to uh, to put a number on it. I, I guess maybe um, you know fifty uh, percent increase, a hundred percent increase uh, in business travel uh, between Hong Kong and mainland. Uh, so and then followed maybe um, leisure travel will come in, uh, starting from the second half uh, when things settle down and this PCR test uh, uh, scrapped. I think this, uh, uh, you know, will be a very uh, encouraging news to see. Yeah, I mean, Ocean Park, Disney, uh, you know, you, you, those kind of like tourist tourists, which I distinguish from, say, healthcare tourists or buying daily supplies tourists. Um, how, how, like, have you been in touch with the people at Ocean Park or Disney or other big attractions, the peak? Yeah, uh, we, yeah, we actually are closely looking at uh, what they are doing. I think they are preparing for. Uh, for uh, fully uh, opening up, and then, uh, yeah, I think they are excited. And uh, uh, actually, as an educator, we are also very happy to see the continuous interest of uh, uh, students' uh, interest in study, tourism, hospitality, uh, management. So uh, I think from all fronts, we, uh, we are very positive uh, about the future. Mm. And Gary Tsang, you're, you're on the uh, subcommittee for the Railway Affairs. I mean, we opened up the high-speed rail. It's a great fanfare, and then everybody kind of forgot about it because <laughs> nobody was using it. Is it is it finally going to fulfill its potential? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, I, I, I would like to take this opportunity to briefly ex explain why high-speed rail is not among the first batch of uh, checkpoints to be reopened this Sunday. Sure. And one of the key reasons is the mainland rail operating authorities, they... They actually, they need some reasonable period of time to update and implement their new train services timetable to allow for our uh, trains to enter into mainland. As we can imagine, the train services in mainland 
for 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 coming、uh, for for coming days for coming week, they have already been planned in advance. So and if and even the tickets have already been sold. So it's actually not reasonable for us to. Of course, we want to open high speed rail ASAP, but it's not reasonable for us to for us to ask、uh, mainland authorities to cancel their already planned, already sold trips to to allow for to allow for Hong Kong trains. So. That's why it takes some time, but、uh, yeah, finally it will be reopened in a week. Time,、uh, in 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 a week.、Yeah. All right, and、uh, and what is what is the quota for the、uh, for the railway crossing? Do you remember how many、I'm, how many how many people are going to be allowed to travel on the railway each day?、Uh, I think it really depends how many like、uh, how many train trips、uh, that could be uh, uh, provided uh, uh, initially. But I think for those.、Uh, Uh, sh- uh, sh- short journey trips like、uh, Hong Kong between、uh, Shenzhen and Guangzhou, that would be、uh, that, that would be easy to、uh, resume. Then that would probably account for like seventy to eighty percent of the, the total train trips initially. The, is the expectation that travel is going to be balanced? Like, I mean, is it just going to be jam packed both ways, or is it more people coming to Hong Kong, or more Hong Kong, more people going to China? What's the balance? I think initially there will be more people going、uh, going to China because.、Uh, In fact, for mainland for for mainland residents, they、um, uh, first of all, many cities are still are like、uh, in this process of fighting the the, the COVID infection. Of, of course, they are gradually they are also gradually working out from the peak, but still they are in this process. And secondly,、um, the the tourist visa、uh, of entering into Hong Kong has、uh, ha, has not yet be has not yet be、uh, resumed. They, 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 the, the application will only be accepted、uh, from this Sunday, and it will take a few days for them, for for the the the, the, the earliest for the for those tourists to get back their visa. So I think initially、uh, the we'll have to keep an eye on that. Will be many many be lost funds. Yeah. Okay, we'll keep a close eye on that. Thank you to our guest today, Gary Tong, lawmaker, deputy chairman of the Legislative Council Subcommittee on Railway Affairs, Xi Lai San, deputy director of Society SoCo, and、uh, Professor Haiyan Song from Hong Kong Polytechnic University. We'll be back after the hour. 19 degrees Celsius, 59 percent humidity. And it's、uh, me, Andrew Work. I'm here with Janice Wong. And a、uh, quick、uh, caller, Dennis, asked us,、uh, "Does the 50,000 quota include passport holders?" I have、uh, answer from our producer. She says yes,、uh, although. Dennis, if you want to email us, you can maybe put some more detail on that question. We will get to it because we are talking about the reopening of、uh, the Hong Kong border with mainland China, and we have somebody who's a bit of an expert on that joining us、uh, for the second part of the show. He is Michael Tin, roundtable convener and lawmaker. Mr. Tin, welcome back to Back Chat. Good morning. Good morning, Good morning. Sir. Michael. I remember being on the show with you quite some time ago, and you、uh, said something that really struck with me, and I used it in all my conversations for about two weeks. On this topic, and you talked about the three doors having to open: the national, provincial, and then、uh, municipal or city government、uh, for the land borders. That all three doors needed to open, and it looks like the doors are open now. They've been the, the national policy has kicked the other two doors open. Is is that a fair assessment? Not really. Okay. There's still a, quite an important door that I've been pushing day in and day out. To the point where I actually had to、uh, do an electronic petition to the、uh, National People Congress Standing Committee to ask them to expedite the opening of the、uh, high-speed rail. That small door still hasn't been opened,、mm-hmm. and、uh, government says the latest is January 15th.、Uh, MPR is totally ready. Hong Kong government wanted it very much. Uh, I had reason to believe from reliable sources 
that the uh, National uh, Rail Bureau in China is also ready, and uh, it perplexed me as to who is blocking that little door for another few days. Uh-huh. Now, why is that few days important to me? Is that, as you know, they have terminated the service of the uh, through train to Guangzhou City. Mm. All right. And when I look back at uh, the last time after the high speed rail opened, it was in the uh, spring of 2019, I believe. Mm-hmm. The through train actually carried an average of 10 to 15,000 passengers a day directly to Guangzhou East Station. I remember. I have fond memories of taking okay. the train. And then the high-speed rail carries another uh, number to the Guangzhou South Station. So altogether, I believe at that time, the demand was about probably 20,000 going to Guangzhou. Now, if you don't open the high-speed rail uh, this coming Sunday, all these 20,000 people per day wanting to go to Guangzhou, how are they going to do it? Right? They are either going to take a direct bus, which is going to take three hours, or they can't even cross Low Wu now to change to the Samjian Rail because Low Wu is closed, so they need to go to uh, Lok Ma Chao. Mm-hmm. And that's in Futian. And then you're going to walk across the border, and then you're going to carry your luggage, uh, walk a bit of a distance, and then hop on a local train to transit to Guangzhou. You know how long that takes? Quite some time. Yeah. Right, so that little door is what I'm frustrated about. So, anyway, I couldn't wait anymore. I <laughs> wrote a petition to the uh, <clears throat> to Beijing uh, yesterday morning, uh, and then they came out. The government came out yesterday afternoon and specified that the deadline would be no later than January 15. That, to me, is good news, rather than uh, you know a total silence as to what's going on. Mm. Right. And, and Mr. Tun, in, in the first half of the program, um, your LegCo colleague, uh, Gary Jang, he, he was explaining to us uh, why the uh, high-speed rail uh, will not uh, resume on Sunday. And he said it's basically because uh, the mainland needs time to update the, the train timetable because uh, many of the tickets for the uh, scheduled trains have already been sold. Does that make sense to you? <coughs> no. As I mentioned, I have... Uh, <coughs> Uh, I believe are reliable sources to say that they definitely have the capacity uh, in terms of, you're talking about rail space. In terms of the trains that are needed to run it, you know how many trains MTR have that sitting in Hong Kong idling? (laughs) We could at least run those, right? If they are running out of trains because they have used all the trains, uh, half of the uh, uh, high-speed rail service are run by MPL, and we have a lot of trains ready. So that cannot be a reason. And in terms of rail space, uh, that's even more far-fetched. Ah. No, no, I cannot accept that. Are you saying that they could use regular MTR trains on the high-speed rail track? I, I didn't realize that. I thought it was like special track and special trains. No, no, no. Track is the same. The track is used by everyone. Ah. The high-speed rail trains are different, and uh, MPR has those trains. Oh, okay. They, they run those trains. Mm, for some half the trains are run by <clears throat> the China side, half the tra- mainland side, half the trains are run by Hong Kong side, yeah. Ah, okay. I didn't, I didn't realize that, to be honest. Well, that's what the uh, $100 billion investment is all about. 
special trains. The, the track is the same. It's the trains. The tracks on the Hong Kong side, the uh, the Kowloon West Station, and and, and all those. <laughs> and uh, you know, who are we expecting to be using this? I, I was asking the first part of the show about the the kind of the split between the uh, the VFR. But uh, if, friends if, and if I may just say something, community. I still yeah, sure. praise the government uh, and give them very very high marks because I had asked for a hundred thousand per day uh, one way. Uh, starting January 15th. That mm-hmm. was what I started asking for like a, you know, a week or two ago because I assessed that's the demand. Now, as of 8 a.m. this morning, already close to 300,000 people have registered. So my estimation of that demand of 600,000 for the total period, I think is probably quite realistic. Now, Johnny, first of all, first, Johnny originally were floating about thirty to 50,000 a day. Now he's up to 60,000, but that's excluding northbound mainlanders and southbound Hong Kongers, mm. okay? My number includes everyone, okay? So if you take 60,000 a day, excluding those, and then considering that the high-speed rail will join the service later, actually his quota totally is very close to my uh, 100,000. Mm. So I give him very high marks. Do you, do you think that maybe the government was kind of uh, taking this in stages? Because, uh, you know, obviously there are a lot of people that are keen to get on and travel, but there are probably some people that are not so keen to have other people travel. I mean, in the early days of COVID, people in China were not keen to have Hong Kongers because they perceived us as having a high rate of COVID. Well, I actually, I, I actually doubt it because <clears throat> the fact that Lowell Station is closed is not what Hong Kong government wants to see. Mm. It's under refurbishment, right. sarcastically, at this critical time. And uh, the high-speed rail, like I say, it's a mysterious small door. So the high-speed rail doesn't affect the cross-border service because everything is done in West Kowloon. Right. And it's got nothing to do with the uh, land borders. All right. So basically, it's a matter of, I suppose, what they want to do is to see the public reaction. If they came up with a huge quota and there's very little uptake, it looks kind of silly. Uh, and they have to plan manpower uh, between the stations and they have to set quota. Okay, so, uh, but anyway, like I said, the initial amount of 60,000, excluding uh, the northbound and southbound returnees, uh, is actually quite close to what I asked for. So that, you know, I'm very happy with that. So my only uh, <laughs> uh, sort of gripe with them now is uh, people wanting to go to Guangzhou. That's uh, that 20,000 some more people per day. And also another thing that I feel is less than perfect is the fact that they did not require mainlanders coming to Hong Kong to be fully vaccinated. Mm. Now, I've been brainwashed by CM Low, our health minister, that you need to be fully vaccinated before you can take off your mask and eat in a restaurant because if you get infected, our public hospital is uh, too crowded to take you in. Mm-hmm. Now you're talking about, what, hundreds and thousands of mainlanders coming to Hong Kong and they're not, some of them are not vaccinated at all and they're gonna go into our restaurants and uh, take off their mask and eat. Now, can our hospital system cope with that? I have been pushing for that, plus the pretesting. They came back with the pretesting, but leaving the um, fully vaccination vaccination requirement out. That to me, it's um, it's something that is 
a bit disappointing. Yeah, and I mean, are people in Hong Kong concerned? I mean, we see long lineups of people going to get vaccinated now uh, because since, you know, directly since the announcement of this opening, because they're concerned that a lot more people come from the mainland is going to mean a lot more COVID. Well, getting vaccinated doesn't mean you won't get infected. But uh, getting vaccinated means uh, if you get infected, you can stay home and rest and you don't necessarily need to be admitted to a hospital, right? Yeah. So... What we are concerned about, and that's the part that uh, I was brainwashed by our health minister, is that if you allow people that are vaccinated to go into restaurants, all right, if they catch uh, the bug, uh, they may end up in the Hong Kong public hospital system. And And that's what I'm worrying about now, because they did not impose a rule requirement uh, asking the mainlanders coming to Hong Kong to be fully vaccinated. Right. And I mean, I guess if you have to, the uh, people have to test negative coming across the border, hopefully that will stop medical tourism. I mean, people in the mainland who think that Hong Kong hospitals are better, so they, they'll jump across the border if they're sick to try and come here and get better treatment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, so that, that, that's the part that I find a bit uh, mind boggling. Because to me, uh, you know, you have about 60 percent of the whole population of China. That's what, what 1.4 billion people. That's what uh, uh, almost close to a billion people mm-hmm. already fully vaccinated. That surely is enough. Yeah. If they want to come to Hong Kong, why should we let totally unvaccinated mainlanders to come to Hong Kong? Yeah. And I mean, I, there's, there's that issue, unvaccinated people. And then we also have the issue of people that would uh, want to kind of upgrade their vaccines, want to get their access to the BioNTech. Uh, have we stocked up enough to accommodate demand for people that are going to, want to come here and get vaccines? I understand that uh, there's quite a bit of stock in Hong Kong. Hong Kong government plays it very safe. So there should not be a problem with regard to the oral drugs and everything else. And then that's really under regulation by the Hong Kong government. I mean, yeah, sure, you can go to a private doctor and he can somehow get it for you, but it's not like totally open. All right. Mr. Chen, I just want to get your view on uh, some some other parts of the uh, arrangement. Uh, like you mentioned, close to uh, 300,000 uh, people have registered for travel to the mainland, which uh, shows that the demand is there. But uh, earlier on the program, when we heard from uh, Silai Shan from, uh, the, from SoCo, uh, she was telling us uh, how... Um, Thousands of people were having trouble making the booking and also uh, booking the PCR test that's uh, necessary for them to actually uh, travel to the mainland. Have you have you heard anything okay. about that? What, the what do you capacity think? for all the test centers for Hong Kong PCR, my understanding, can go up to about two hundred to two hundred and fifty thousand per day. Okay. Per day. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's the source I get from the health bureau. So the total PCR capacity in Hong Kong now should not be uh, a problem. Right. So you, you might have a different experience in that, you know, if you, you were getting... Yeah, well, I try to get numbers from all the reliable sources before I make a comment. Yeah. Well, we, we do have the medical director of a vaccination center coming on in the uh, last part of the show. Um, I, I'm worried about the, the knock-on effect for people that are trying to fly to other places around the world that now require a PCR test from Hong Kong residents. Uh, I mean... I'm wondering if there's going to be chaos at the airports as people are finding they can't book PCR tests to get on their flights out of Hong Kong. Have you heard from people either in the business community or otherwise that they're starting to face that issue? Well, it seems like uh, more and more countries around the world are asking for that. But um, but the number of people that require the PCR test in Hong Kong on a daily basis 
I don't have a number, but like I said, um, our capacity, uh, even without cranking them up, uh, can be about 200 to 250,000 a day. That that actually, I think, probably should be enough. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess your experience might be a little different, uh, you know, just as somebody who traveled in the last half of last year. Going, you know, you had to go get multiple PCR tests, but typically you were in and out in under five minutes. I mean, it was fast, you know, but I'm guessing now people are going to face some lineups going for those tests. Uh, yeah. Well, the, 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 the quickness that you have experienced was based on a very low tick-up mm -hmm. in the normal time. So when the demand is high, uh, there'll be, uh, the stations will be more crowded. Whether or not they can come up with a result as quickly... Uh, I don't know. Yeah, that, that's that's a point. Yeah. But still, our capacity is, is uh, you know, quite huge. Right now, even before the border opening and before all these overseas uh, countries, uh, you know, other countries asking for PCR tests, our regular uh, 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 PCR uh, testing is only about, what, 50,000 a day or so? Mm -hmm. So there's still a big gap between what we... Uh, what uh, te the test centers can do and the, uh, the demand before opening the border. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, just before we let you go, we appreciate you staying a little bit longer than originally planned. Uh, when, when are you planning on heading for the mainland and are you going to take the high-speed rail? Have you got your tickets yet? <laughs> I don't even know when they're starting. <laughs> okay. But I'm you, waiting. You, you, want to, you want to be first in line, I guess, huh? Yeah, I've been, I've been fighting for the high-speed rail to actually get to the heart of Guangzhou City uh, I used to uh, chair uh, KCR, who runs the intercity through train. Now that that has become a historic uh, uh, instrument, <laughs> um, I would want to be able to ride uh, high-speed rail to the heart of, uh, you know, uh, Guangzhou City, mm. which actually happened during the last three years because they had a, a, a new uh, line. Uh, taking you from West Kowloon. So in West Kowloon, you can actually buy two tickets to Guangzhou, one to the south, one to the heart of the city. Mm. Yeah, I would love to ride on that. All right. Well, uh, we'll have to keep an eye out for you if, uh, if we're on the train ourselves that day. It's uh, Michael yeah. Tin, roundtable yeah. convener and lawmaker. Thanks for joining us uh, here on Backchat. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88-266 and have your say. Back on Back Chat, I'm Andrew Work here with Janice Wong today. And we are uh, talking about the opening of the border with China, but uh, we're going to switch up a little bit to something that's directly connected to that. We're talking about vaccinations in Hong Kong and the uptake of that. Uh, apparently, lineups have been forming outside of previously uh, lonely, lonely vaccination centers that were a little sleepy. Uh, but somebody who's definitely got his hands full these days is Dr. Samuel Kwok. Medical Director of the Vaccination Center at the Quintong Sports Center. Uh, he's got all kinds of vaccines on offer, including the bivalent jab. Uh, good morning, Dr. Kwok, and welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. Dr. Kwok, am, am I correct? Was, was I correct in my assessment? Are, are you a little busier than you used to be? Well, well in fact, uh, in your introduction, that I am the Quintong uh, Vaccination Center, because these, uh, actually the Quintong one uh, actually closed uh, uh, middle of last month. So we are actually, actually operating uh, uh, other uh, vaccination centers. Oh, where are you now? And, well, actually, for the government side, we're running the Lai Kok Park, which um, takes over 600 um, vaccinations a day. 
And we are in our private clinic. Actually, the model of vaccination delivery is now changed to the private clinic model. And there are about 20 odd sites, uh, which the, um, the public, the Hong Kong people can actually book online to get vaccinations in these 20 odd sites. And we are one of them. Okay. I know, I know my daughter recently got her vaccination and it sounded like a very different experience from when I got my fourth uh, jab a little while ago, because uh, it was yep. like in an office building somewhere. Uh-huh. Yes, I've... yes. Actually, in, in office buildings, in clinics, and in some medical centers nowadays. Yeah, so I was a little a little surprised by that. Um, is is there going to be uh, is is the capacity then like what? Well, um, the capacity um, is less than the the peak the peak time when uh, in the early last year when there's the fifth wave that we in centers when you receive um, two thousand five hundred two thousand six hundred uh, jabs a day in one center. But now we're talking about, uh, you know, 600, 700 case, cases a day in one center. It's a smaller scale, but um, it's actually fully booked these um, two, two, three weeks uh, already. So um, fully booked for a few days, uh, usually. So it's uh, actually um, we're full, in, in full capacity. Um, we're talking about the government program. So all we're talking about is uh, receiving Hong Kong people, uh, receiving uh, vaccinations. Most uh, vaccination nowadays are over ninety percent are going for the bivalent BioNTech vaccines. And have, are, you, are you guys are you guys jammed right now? Like, I mean, the newspapers are showing photos of people lining up to get vaccinations uh, since yep, the announcement yep, of the government yep, opening. That's what it is now. Yeah. And and what is the mood of the people that are coming? Are they are they like in a panic, or are they like, oh, I guess I should have gotten around to it. Now's the right time. Uh, or no, they no, like, no, oh, no. People, people are calm. People are very calm, and they just want to come and come in and do the jabs. And in fact, most of the jets are, you're talking about the fourth or the fifth dose, uh, uh, the booster doses actually, for the people. So they got experience of uh, vaccination jabs for COVID vaccines uh, already. Mm. So they're not, not, um, not, not in panic, not, you know, they're, they're pretty calm people. Right. Just come for the boosters. So, I mean, some people have maybe have gotten four jabs already, and now they heard this bivalent yeah. jab. If they're a little, well, we're talking about obese yeah. people, they, 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 they want to have jabs. Yeah, if they're a little, yeah. if, I mean, if they're a little bi-curious, I mean, what's the what's different about this bivalent jab? Well, the difference, uh, actually, it's a new one, and it's only come into um, the surface um, the 1st of December last year, just for a month, over a month. So uh, it's something new. But it's not ex- exactly very new because it is BioNTech. It's like the the, the, the old one, the uh, original BioNTech uh, uh, vaccine. So the only difference is that in this vaccine, there are two uh, viral uh, genomes. One is the original uh, the original original uh, virus, as opposed to now is the BA45 uh, type of uh, virus genome. So um, it, it, it kind of gives you uh, extra protection to the more current infect, infectious uh, virus. All right, Dr. Kwok, I mean, earlier you said uh, the vaccination center that you're at is uh, fully booked. I mean, how, how does the situation now compare to maybe a few weeks ago? Um, now, before, let, let's say, before the introduction of the new bivalent vaccine, the, um, the uptake, I mean, people booking a very number is very low. We're talking about, you know, less than 50 uh, cases a day. 
now uh, after this introduction of the new vaccine. And in the early days, still not very full, but in about a week after the first introduction, um, we're beginning to see that the number is rising a lot, and now it's actually fully booked. Um, f- firstly, it's because it's a new vaccine. People think it's more, more, more useful, more efficacious. And maybe the other reason is that uh, people heard about news uh, of reopening of borders, some uh, mainland residents may come over to Hong Kong to get vaccines. They, they might kind of uh, compete with them. There might not be enough, enough uh, stock for vaccine. But in fact, this is not true. Uh, although we're opening um, border, and people from mainland China can actually come over to Hong Kong to get vaccines. Basically, they can only get the uh, bivalent vaccine, which is uh, in is licensed for common use now. The old vaccine. Both the Sinovac and the original uh, BioNTech vaccine is for uh, emergency use. So these are under two different different uh, situations, different uh, you know uh, restrictions. Um, so for this new vaccine, this is for common use. So actually, um, any medical practitioners can provide uh, this vaccine for for self-paid people. So in the private, basically in the private sector, the public sector is not providing this. Right. So and given you- this. Yeah, the source of the vaccine, um, the, strip, the drug, the vaccine is different. And yesterday, one is provided by government, what the other is yeah. provided directly by the pharmaceutical company. Yeah, Dr. Cocker. And yesterday, the government did uh, clarify that uh, the uh, BioNTech uh, bivalent dose uh, will uh, only be for residents. I mean, if you get it from uh, vaccination centres, it's also uh, only targeted uh, at uh, Hong Kong yeah. residents, right? So, yeah, so was was that true. clarification? Do you, do you expect uh, uh, the number of people booking for vaccinations to sort of uh, go down a bit in the next two weeks? Um, well. Um well, I, I, I think um, now, now the, the situation is um, now people are trying, coming to try to get for the, the fourth or the fifth uh, dose of the vaccine, and in fact, we can we are seeing a number of uh, people, number of people get infected these few weeks, are uh, getting you know more, and uh, although we, we might have passed the peak now, we're talking about sixteen thousand, eighteen thousand cases a day, so there are a lot of people get infected, as mm. you can see. When people get infected, they, they don't they don't get the vaccines immediately. So you have to wait for another at, at least three months. So um, we talk about a lot of people got in, um, uh, got the jabs already. So there are still a big number a number of people who, who might need the jab, but when they get infected, they can't get it immediately. So so we're talking about a kind of a, a, a steady state mm. where uh, a number of people uh, need to get it. But not, you know, not a phenomenal, not a really huge number that come in. So there will come a time that the, the need, uh, the demand would be less than now, maybe in another month or so, because uh, most people already get jabs, and if not, they already get infected. You see. So, right. so you think we're going to have a surge in demand now, but it'll level off or, or capacity? Yeah, it'll level off, but it might come down in, in a month's time. Yeah. Right, and, and earlier you talked about how uh, this uh, bivalent jab is uh, more effective than the original one we had before. Uh, what about the side effects? Uh, well, side effects actually is, is exactly the same as the original one because the the constituency inside the, um, the, the, the the drug, the, the vaccine is exactly the same. We're talking about the, the viral genomes there and also the other, you know, the matrix and everything, the material inside, they're exactly the same. So we expect the side effects or other complications from this new vaccine 
is exactly the same as the old BioNTech. Okay, well, thank you very much for joining us on the show today. This is Dr. Samuel Kwok, who's the medical director of a vaccination center, formerly Quintung Sports Center, but I think he said no. He's at Lai Chi Kwok. I got a couple of emails. Uh, thank you very much for joining us, Dr. Kwok. And uh, we've got a couple of uh, notes here. Mike says, uh, you won't read it. Well, maybe I will, uh, <laughs> Mike. But I will share the latest study from Ohio. 50,000 participants, three times more likely to get COVID after three injections than those that were never vaccinated. Uh, uh, uh. Okay, maybe you might want to get on our uh, Facebook page, Mike, to provide a link to that if you want to back it up. Leon says, Michael Tian is absolutely correct. Arrivals from China should be fully vaccinated to gain entry to Hong Kong. Without this prerequisite, our hospitals are going to get overrun in no time. Alonzo says, your host, Andrew Work, that's W-O-R-K, asked whether Hong Kong hotels were ready for a jump in tourist arrivals. Yes, I did. Anecdotal evidence suggests the answer is unequivocal no. And that the Hong Kong local hospitality sector has dramatically slipped in the past three years, during which time experienced hoteliers were either made redundant or willingly quit, and potential trainees and new entrants opted for alternative professions. I recently dined, I meaning Alonzo, recently dined at a top hotel restaurant and was a uh, top hotel group restaurant and was alarmed by the decline in the quality of service with many of the junior staff whose command of English language is below the standard expected from a five-star hotel group seemingly unprepared and poorly trained in basic hospitality protocol. I imagine that other hotel groups and restaurants have suffered similar staffing problems. Hopefully those staffing issues can be resolved when the sector enjoys an unexpected upturn. Thank you, Alonzo. Thank you, Alonzo, and thank you to all of you, our listeners, for listening, calling, and getting in touch. Uh, today's show is produced by Yuki Tong. Uh, on the soundboard today, we have James. Back chat is back on Monday with, yet again, Janice Wong. Way to yes. go, Janice. We finish the week. We start the week strong with Janice Wong. Uh, she's going to be joined by Mike Rouse, uh, giving you a quick look at the weather. Today, mainly fine, dry. Uh, max temperature on 23 degrees. Saturday is looking good. Dry with sunny periods tomorrow. A few cloudy and some rain patches on Sunday, but still okay. Uh, your temperature now is 19 degrees Celsius, 57% humidity, and this has been Back Chat. Starting from December 31st, 2022, the minimum charge for each plastic shopping bag is adjusted from 50 cents to $1. And there are no more free bags for frozen and chilled food items.